In those days, the crest was in service to the Shade, protectors of Heartvale. It is said that the Royal Dispatch Company possesses more wealth than half the nobility in the Howl. And how would we know if that is true or not, when they control the flow of information? I find it strange that such an entity was allowed to form and flourish. They are not bound by loyalty of blood or bond to the city, and I wonder if the lords and ladies of Hartvale see how their power has grown. According to the information I could find, the Royal Dispatch Company was founded 73 years ago by a merchant and a minstrel who believed they could make a few coins sharing information they picked up in their travels. Through clever maneuvers and deals, they managed to sign an exclusive contract with Hartvale to act as their official purveyor of news and information. That was 30 years ago, and the Kingswood Criers have become an integral part of Hartvale's society. What I cannot determine is how the current head of the company, Efren Fellhart, came to power. He seems to have been a poet in Resden during his youth, and he was likely hired by the Royal Dispatch Company some years ago. But when and how he rose to leadership is somewhat vague. A curiosity, perhaps. But when he is the man controlling the influx of information to Hartvale, it is a vital curiosity that seems to be shared by our allies, the Shade. Welcome back for another episode of Errant Adventures. As always, I'm your game master and solo player, Steve Morrison. On this week's episode, Ben and company continue on to Veilwater to try and determine what happened to the missing Shade. Find out what happens on episode 22, Griffin and Moon. Ben stares down at the shade coin in his hand that is covered in blood. He looks at it and is immediately drawn back to Erdira and her use of the shade coin to help them get out of the situation in the small apartment as they were escaping from Hartvale. He thinks about the power and the abilities that these coins are imbued with, and how even with that power and that ability, whoever carried this coin, in all likelihood Hannibal, the shade that they are looking for here on the road to Veilwater, even with that coin, even with those abilities and that training, something terrible befell the Shade. 
Ben, holding up the coin, says to Iron Gall, Sergeant, I found something. The sergeant approaches and looks immediately to the coin that Ben is holding in his hands. And Iron Gall says, Is that what I think it is? Ben nods. Iron Gall sighs and says, Well, this is getting more and more complicated. All right. Everyone gather round. He calls out to the rest of the crest as they have spread out looking for evidence of what this scuffle might have been. As they gather round, Iron Gall points to the coin and says, It looks like our shade was here, and it looks like he left this place unwillingly, whether he's still alive or already dead. We don't know, but with the amount of blood that's spilled around here, it's hard to be optimistic for his chances. One of the other crests says, Sergeant, there are blood droplets headed off that way towards the forest. It's possible that if he is still alive, he was being taken somewhere in that forest. Iron Gull nods and turns to the lieutenant and says, What are your orders? She looks at the spattered blood on the ground. She looks at the coin in Ben's hand, and she looks towards the forest. At last, she says, It would seem that we must go in pursuit of this shade. After all, it is the reason we're here. However, it is also our mission to follow up on whatever lead it is this shade was pursuing, considering his seemingly awful demise on the road. I doubt he ever made it to Valewater. She turns to Iron Gall and says, we must send some of our number on to the village to continue the investigation. Iron Gull nods and says, I agree. At that point, he turns and looks at the assembled members of the crest. And I think I'm going to ask the fate chart. So... Does Iron Gull assign Ben and Arid to continue on towards Valewater to follow up this investigation into this lead that might, stress might, lead them to the Vidala family? We have a cast rank of six, and I think it is... 50-50 on whether or not he's going to send Ben and Arid, because there are a total of eight crests other than the lieutenant and the sergeant that could go, and Ben and Arid, while being a good team, may not get assigned to that role. So I'm going to say 50-50. Here we go. A 15, which is almost an exceptional yes. But instead, it is just a regular yes. So, Iron Gull turns towards Ben and Arid and says, Winestone, Arid, you two are going to continue on to Valewater and try to find the Kingsward operative. 
if they're still in the village. If not, maybe you can find some evidence of who or what did this to the Shade. Somebody might have seen something. Then and Arid nod, and I think Iron Gall scans the faces of those assembled, and he's going to pick someone to go with them. He points towards an imposing figure and says, Orchid, you go with them. And Orchid is tall and has blonde hair and like pale skin. And uh, let's find out a little bit more about Orchid. So I'm going to roll a d6. Uh, One to two is going to be male. Three to four will be female. Five to six will be um, non-binary or undetermined. Undetermined. All right. So this tall sort of imposing figure... Uh, Let's roll on some appearance stuff. Two and five. Chiseled. So they are cut. They've got muscles for days. And let's get a physical detail. Three and one. Freckles. Which is fun. The most interesting thing about them is there is this scar on their throat, which when you get close enough to look at it, looks as though it is in the shape of an orchid, hence their name. So Orchid steps forward and they say, Right, Sergeant. I'll follow where they go. And Ben and Arid look over and nod to Orchid, and Orchid is carrying an impressive axe with uh, an ornately carved head with these flowing designs. And uh, Orchid is from a country called Faramork, which is northeast of Hartvale. Iron Gull turns and says, The rest of you will come with the lieutenant and I as we follow this blood trail. Prepare yourselves for a fight. And before they break off into two separate groups, Iron Gull is going to pull Ben to the side and say, Winestone, I'm putting you in charge. I want you to be careful out there. If someone was following a shade and ambushed them, then we don't know how much information is out there and who knows what. It's very possible that you could be walking into a trap just as much as we are. Ben nods and says, I understand. I'll do my best to keep my eyes open and keep us safe from any ambushes or treachery. Iron Gold nods and says, Good. All right. Once we've determined where this trail leads, we'll meet you in Veilwater. If we're not there by tomorrow, make your way back to the city. Get to the captain and let him know everything that's happened. Ben nods and says, I understand. Good. Now get to work. And he is going to turn and walk away to join the rest of the crest who are getting ready to head towards the woods.
Now we were in the middle of this scene of making their way to Veilwater, and I don't know that there's necessarily anything else that is going to happen on the road, but I think maybe we should ask the fate chart that and get a solid answer to that. So is the rest of their journey to Veilwater uneventful? I think it's probably likely. So, cast factor of six, zero, two, which is an exceptional yes. So, not only is the rest of the walk to Vale Water uneventful, it is also just incredibly boring. And I think because it is so boring, we don't have to worry about there being any sort of ambush or anything when they arrive in Vale Water as well. So as they approach the village, Veilwater is a basically a secondary port for Hartvale. So it is not a, a large village by any means, but there is a decent-sized harbor and a number of sort of warehouses along the shore that can be utilized by companies bringing in goods that you know, they can't quite get into Hartvale, and then there are carts coming and going to and from Hartvale, delivering those goods back to the city. There are a couple of inns in Veilwater, and there are a number of houses, and there's also a small farming community around the village as well. So as Ben, Arid, and Orchid arrive at Veilwater, they are going to begin looking around for the inn where this Royal Dispatch Company operative might be staying. That is going to be our scene setup, is find the Royal Dispatch Company operative. And we're going to go ahead and roll the d10 and compare it to our chaos factor, which I think goes down to 5 again, because even though the walk to Veilwater revealed uh, a rather grisly scene, I also think that they were basically in control on the road. So I'm going to roll my d10 and see how it compares. A 6, which is above the chaos factor of 5, so there is no change on that scene setup. So find the Royal Dispatch Company operative in the village of Veilwater. So they arrive, and they are going to begin looking around for ends. And I'm going to go ahead and roll on a couple of tables in Maze Rats to generate a few in names. And they are basically going to be sort of adjective and noun combinations. So we are going to go with the first one, which is going to be five and one, romantic, four and six, the romantic maid. The second one is going to be six and four, tipsy, four and two, the tipsy hound. And then for this one, I'm going to do two nouns, three and five, griffin, and five and two, moon. So the griffin and the moon. So we've got the Romantic Maid, the Tipsy Hound, and Griffin and Moon in. 
So Ben looks around at these ends, and I think I'm going to roll a d6, and uh, one to two will be the Romantic Maid, three to four is the Tipsy Hound, five to six is the Griffin and Moon, and whatever I roll will determine which one is the closest to the harbor and therefore maybe the most likely to have information that they're looking for. So I got a five, which means it's the Griffin and Moon. So the Griffin and Moon is the closest to the harbor here in Valewater. So Ben looks over at the Griffin and Moon and says, That's the closest inn. Perhaps we should start there. Arid nods and says, That seems like a good idea, although I don't know if we are going to get all that much information from the locals. It is very possible that they will not know if a person is a member of the Royal Dispatch Company. Ben nods and says, I know, but we have to try. After all, since our shade never made it here, it's up to us to pick up whatever lead they had. And he is going to start off in that direction with Arid and Orchid following in his wake. As they enter the Griffin and Moon, it is a steady afternoon evening. I think at this point, like they have reached Veilwater and it is closer to dusk. So there are a decent number of folks in the common room of this tavern, and there is the smell of food and the sound of people drinking and talking. There's a, a musician playing in the corner, and Ben looks around. He says to Arid and Orchid, We might as well get some food while we're here. Go ahead and try to find a seat, and I'll go talk to the barman and see if I can glean any information. Arid, turning to Orchid, gestures into the common room and says, Please, my friend, after you. And Orchid, who has drawn a few stares from the locals, walks past Arid and makes their way into the room. And I think people are getting out of their way because they are noticeably taller and just bulkier than pretty much anybody else in this tavern. Ben makes his way over to the bar and is going to catch the barman's attention and uh, let's get a quick name on this bar individual uh, i'm going to once again roll a d6 and we'll do one to three will be female names four to six will be male names it's a five so it's going to be on the male name table and i've got a six and a two stilton and so he says a barman, may I have a moment of your time? And the bartender steps over and says, Yeah, what can I do for you? Ben says, uh, Your name, good sir. And the barman says, Stilton. But I'm a little busy. What can I do for you? I don't mean to hold you up. My friends and I are getting some food and drink, but I had a question for you. 
Have any of your customers who have been in lately been with the Royal Dispatch Company? Uh, we're here to form a connection with them and try to get a contract with the Royal Dispatch Company to provide information, and we were told to meet someone here. Uh, first of all, let's go ahead and roll on the Mythic GM emulator. Does Stilton know anything about the Royal Dispatch Company operative? I think it's 50-50. So our cast rank is 5, 50-50. 36 is a yes. So yes, he does know. Okay, so knowing that the Royal Dispatch Company is pretty rich and powerful, and knowing that this barman that he's talking to knows something about the Royal Dispatch Company operative... Is it possible that the Griffin and Moon is actually owned in some way by the dispatch company and this barman is connected to the company in a more concrete way than just being a bartender in an inn that sees a lot of travelers come through? I think it is unlikely, but that's not necessarily a no, so let's ask the fate chart. 17, yes. Yes, this bar is owned by the Royal Dispatch Company, and Stilton is an operative of the Royal Dispatch Company. Could it be possible that he is, in fact, the operative that the Shade was sent to talk to? I think there's uh, really no way that he is, because I think the operative that he was sent to talk to was somebody who has actually been abroad and has returned. But... Again, even though I think it's no way, because of the fate chart, that doesn't mean that there is, in fact, no way. So let's roll and find out. 91, in this case, is an exceptional no. So Stilton is definitely not the operative that Ben is looking for. I don't think he is a Royal Dispatch Company operative at all. I think that the inn is owned by the dispatch company and therefore the people who work there nominally work for the Royal Dispatch Company. But it's also a maybe like silent partnership sort of thing where the tavern owner, the inn owner, knows that the Royal Dispatch Company is in on this, has provided funding for the inn. But that's not necessarily public knowledge. And so I think the bartenders and the people who work at the inn know to make a room available for any King's Word operatives that come through. But I don't think, because we got an exceptional no, that Stilton is directly related to any of these King's Word operatives. So he looks back at Ben and says, We get some King's Word folk through here now and again, coming back from abroad. Now I'm trying to think if we've had anyone recently, and he's thinking for a moment, and I think the last question here on the fate chart is, is the operative that the Shade was looking for still here? Because it has been several days since the operative was sent out and has failed to report in, so it's possible that that operative has moved on. So I think it is very unlikely that the operative is still here. Once again, chaos rank of five. Here we go. 
59 is a no. So that Kingsword operative is no longer here. So I think Stilton says, there was one here staying at the inn about a week ago, but uh, he took off um, three days ago, got on a ship and headed back out. Ben frowns and says, oh, well, that's disappointing. Our information must have sent us here just a little too late. Did he talk to anyone? Is there anyone here who we could talk to that maybe spoke with him and uh, we could get uh, a second chance at this? And uh, I think that it's pretty much impossible that this bartender who sees a bunch of people is going to remember any specifics of who this operative talked to, if anyone at all. 30 is a no. No, he does not remember. He's like, sorry, friend, I wish I could help you, but that's all I know. And Ben nods and says, very well, thank you for your assistance. I suppose that uh, I will go join my friends. And Ben makes his way over to the table. So at this point, we know that Stilton at least doesn't know who the Kingsword Crier spoke to or if anybody else does. And we know that the Kingsword operative is no longer here in Veilwater. So what else can we glean? I think Ben goes back to the table, informs his compatriots of this information, and he turns to Arid and he says, Arid, is there anything you can do with your talent to garner any more information than what we've already determined? I would hate to just sit here for a few hours and then have to report to Iron Gull that we failed completely. Yes, I do not want to do that either, my friend. So let me take a moment and he is going to close his eyes, place his hands on the table and focus. As he is doing that, Ben looks over at Orchid and says, Orchid, how long have you been with the Crest? I know we haven't worked directly together yet, but I know you were here when I joined. And they say, I've been here about eh, four or five years. So then you were part of the events in, in Lasha? Oh yeah, I was part of those events. It was a little chaotic, but really it wasn't so bad. Got to bring out Bone Eater. And they slap the haft of their ornate axe. Got a lot of work in that time. Ben nods and asks for maybe a story of that time in Larsha. And the two of them talk for a few minutes while Arid is focusing on his talent. So we are going to go ahead and have Arid whisper into the unspeakable power. So this is when you ask a question or seek guidance from the supernatural, roll plus arcane. On a hit, the MC will pick one of the following. So we are going to go ahead and roll 2d6 plus arcane, which is two for Arid, and see what the unspeakable power has for us. Six on the dice plus two is an eight. So on a... Seven to nine, the MC picks one of these following. Your insight is vague, frightening, or confusing. The unspeakable power learns something you might not want it to know. The unspeakable power whispers a threat back to you. Ooh. 
Uh, so because I did get a hit, Arid either has a brief vision, hears a faint voice, or has a curious sensation. So I'm going to actually answer the second one first, and I'm going to do that by rolling d6, and uh, I'm going to make 1 to 2 be the first one, 3 to 4 the second, and 5 to 6 the third option. A 1. Your insight is vague, frightening, or confusing. Okay, so I think because of that, it is going to be a curious sensation. So Arid is focusing on the table and stretching his senses out from this place, trying to encompass the whole of the Griffin and Moon with his magical talent, trying to sense some information, some lead of where they might need to go. And I think he feels a few things. First of all, I think he feels like they're being watched. And not just watched from the standpoint of people in the tavern having noticed them. No, I think they are being watched by someone specific. And I don't know if that someone is magically watching them. And again, is sort of like sensing the approach of Arid's magic. Or if it's someone physical, a person in the room watching them. So... Let's ask the fate chart. Is the person watching them in the room with them? I think it is probably likely. 71, which is a yes. So yes, whoever is watching them is a person in the room. It's not some sort of magical observation. But I think there is also, because of this curious sensation, and because the insight is vague, frightening, or confusing, I think Arid gets the sense that there is more to this in than meets the eye. There is something thrumming in like the basement, some power that he can't quite put his fingers on it's it's very elusive and there is a sense of i think invitation like calling to arid to investigate and he opens his eyes and he says well this is curious this place seems to be housed on some sort of power source something of uh, great interest I don't know if it is something that we should investigate, but it feels as though it is underneath this place. Maybe there is a basement or something that we can find our way into. I feel as though this place is connected to the person that we are looking for. It is possible that this place is owned by the Royal Dispatch Company. It is also very likely that we are being watched. And then surreptitiously tries to look around the room as he hears that, and we are going to study a situation. So as we study a situation, this is going to be rolling plus Sly. So Sly is plus two, so Ben is going to roll 2d6 plus two. Eight on the dice plus two is a 10. So on a 10 plus, ask three questions. Where is my best escape route way in, way past? How is one of my adversaries vulnerable to me right now? 
What am I missing? Who or where is my enemy really? Who's actually pulling the strings here? Who or what here could be a useful opportunity for me? So I get to ask three of these questions. I think that uh, I'm going to start with what am I missing? Because I don't know yet that this person that's watching them is an enemy. We, we can't say that for certain at the moment. So what am I missing, I think, is going to encompass who is watching them. And to figure that out, I'm going to go back over to Maze Rats, and we're going to get an appearance and physical detail and some clothing to fill out what this character looks like. So our appearance is five and four, solid. So this person is well-built, maybe not as jacked and cut as Orchid, but well-built. Uh, physical detail, three and four, is gold tooth. Interesting. And what does their clothing look like? Six and one, sigils. They have all sorts of sigils on their clothing. Interesting. I think Ben, looking around, sees this person and immediately clocks that this is the person who's watching them. I think it's even possible that the person is not really making an effort to hide their observation. They are sitting at this table, maybe they're even sitting at the bar, and that's maybe what started it, is they were close enough to hear Ben ask and then continued to watch. So this person is sitting at the bar, heavier set, has these sigils on their clothing, and is watching from afar, I think picking at a gold tooth with a knife, and... Ben meets this person's eyes and says, I think I found who's watching us. What are our other questions here? Who or what here could be a useful opportunity for me? I think that is uh, maybe an obvious question. I think this figure being the answer is maybe too obvious of an answer for that question. So I'm going to ask the fate chart. Is this person that they are seeing who is watching them a useful opportunity for Ben and the others? And I think it's 50-50. I don't really have any strong feelings one way or the other. 37 is a yes. So yes, this is the person who is useful to them. I think the person sitting at the bar meets Ben's eyes and does not look away. And I think even makes a gesture that Ben interprets as, may I join you? And Ben offers a quick nod. The person gets up from the bar, grabs their drink, and makes their way towards the table. So those are two questions answered. We've got one more left. And I think the question I'm going to ask is who's actually pulling the strings here? And I'm interested in these sigils that are on this person's coat. Does Ben, who is a learned individual, recognize these sigils? And I'm going to say because he is learned, I think it is very likely that he's going to. 
70, which is a yes. Yes, he does recognize it. Okay, are the sigils associated with the Royal Dispatch Company in some way? I think it is likely. 93, which is a no. They are not associated with the Royal Dispatch Company. Okay, so who are they associated with? Let's roll action and subject, and maybe that'll give us an answer. 96, guide. 98, fame. Guide, fame. All right, so I think I know what faction this person belongs to. So as uh, they make their way over, let's go ahead and once again, roll a D6 and determine if I'm rolling on the male or female names on this list here. Uh, it's a six, so another gentleman. And the name is going to be six and one, Silas. And let's give him a surname as well. Six and six, Silas Wilberforce. There's a, uh, there's a name for you. This gentleman approaches the table and says, My good friends, may I, may I join you? And Ben nods and says, Yes, please. And you can tell us why you've been watching us while you do so. The gentleman says, right to the point, I see. Uh, well, let me say that uh, the three of you cut an imposing figure here in Valewater, and uh, I heard a little bit of your conversation over by the uh, bar, and I had my curiosities about whether or not you were in fact here to join up with the Royal Dispatch Company, or if you had other intentions. Ben looks at Arid and Orchid and then back to the gentleman and says, And what concern of it is yours? The man says, Well, I just so happen to uh, have been in the area for a while doing a little bit of research. Uh, you see, I, I am a scholar, a scholar from the scriptorium. Wilberforce, Silas Wilberforce is my name. And uh, I've been doing a little bit of research here in Valewater, and I may just happen to know the gentleman you are asking after. And he gives Ben a wide smile. Ben says, I have it on good authority that this person has already left the village and therefore is of no more use to me. Silas says... Ah, but that's where you're wrong, because I heard you asking the barman if he knew anyone who had been speaking to this individual, and I just so happen to know someone who spoke with him. Ben stares back at the man. There's silence for long enough, and then Silas says, Right, uh, uh, that would be me. I spoke with him. Uh, lovely fellow, just came in from Davenar. And uh, he was talking about uh, some Elfheim artifacts that he had seen while he was there that had been uncovered in a dig. So I was asking him some questions as, I'm sorry, that's my area of expertise, my area of study. Elfheim, the great lost civilization. 
But anyways, so I was talking to him a little bit, and uh, maybe I could have some information for you uh, to help you on your way. Ben says, Mr. Wilberforce, in my experience, information is rarely offered freely. What is it that you want? Silas leans forward a, a glint in his eye, and he says, You see, I've been in Hartvale for a while... I have spent a plenty of time wandering around and studying the various artifacts and memorials to Elfheim. I've traveled as well to other places and have seen many a thing. I recognize your look, sir. I recognize the looks of your companions. You're not looking for a job with the Royal Dispatch Company. No, no, no. You already have a job. Ben, I think, surreptitiously is reaching under the table for his dagger. As he says, and what job might that be? Silas leans forward even further and drops his voice into a conspiratorial tone and says... Why, you're members of the Crest, the mercenary company. I would recognize this one anywhere. And he points at Orchid, who simply glowers at him. Why, I've seen your work. Before I came to Hartvale to spend some time at the Scriptorium, I was in Den Lasha. And at that, he grows serious and says... I saw what the Kriva did to the walls, the fighting and the bloodshed in the streets, and I know that the Crest are the only reason that Den Lasha stood, that those of us who were in the city weren't all slaughtered. So, maybe I can be of assistance to you and help you find some information that you're looking for, and yes, you're right, information is never really freely given, which is why I think maybe you can help me. Ben looks at Arid, who gives him a warning glance, and Ben releases his hold on the dagger and leans back, folding his arms, and says, So you want us to do something for you? We are already on a contract. Oh, this is nothing so formal as a contract. You see, there is a ruin that was purportedly built by Elfheim before the Shrouding. It's in the hills to the southwest of Valewater, about a day, day and a half's journey from here. And I'm looking to hire some escorts to take me to this ruin so that I might investigate it. Ben says, and what information do you think you have to sell? Well, you see, this Kingswood crier spoke to a few people in the time that I was here. I was one of them, but there were a few others. I could give you their descriptions if that would be of interest to you. Ben looks over at Arid and Orchid. Arid sort of half shrugs and says, I've always wanted to see an Elfheim ruin. 
It would be of interest to me as well. All right, Silas. We will agree to assist you on this. But I'm going to need those names up front. Silas says, How will I know that you won't just leave me here? And I will be left with nothing. Ben, at that point, removes the emblem of the crest that he has hidden under his coat. And he sets it on the table with his hand over it. And he says, I cannot make a binding contract for the crest. But I can promise you that as I am a member of the crest and as a man of honor, I swear to you that I will help you get to this ruin and investigate it. But we need those names so that we can continue our work as quickly as possible before the trail runs cold. Silas considers his hand on the crest emblem and Ben's words and then says, Very well. I will tell you everything I know. Thanks for listening to Errant Adventures, and thanks so much to Sirenscape for the lovely ambient sounds and music throughout the episode. If you enjoyed the show, please tell anyone and everyone in your life about it. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. It really does help others find me. If you want to interact with me, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at ErrantSolopod, or you can email me at ErrantSolopod at gmail.com. I also post short fiction and campaign-related materials on my website, errantadventurespod.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.